You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. So finding hope in Christian community. I've had opportunity to do uh, uh, three missions trips into Latin America. So uh, going to... Uh, uh, to, to Mexico, went to Monterey, Mexico when I was a youth pastor, taking a youth group down there to do some missions work. I went to Lima, Peru, uh, spent some time in Lima, Peru, and then my wife and I, we went to Santiago, Chile to work with the House of Hope, a ministry that we support through this church. And one of the expressions that they have in Latin America is mi casa, su casa, which means my home, your home. So when you come in today, I want to welcome you to my home. My house is your house. It carries the understanding that you are family and you belong here just as much as I do. And as I speak today about Christian community, what I'm talking about is coming into small groups or what I want to call life groups today. Because I want to focus on life groups. So a lot of what's going to happen today is you are going to experience a life group as if it was led by me. Um, this is the way my life groups start out. Um, so... You're in my home. Uh, coffee and cookies are back there. So if you need something, feel free to get up at any point in time. If you have to go to the bathroom, they're out the door here and to the right. Um, and if you were in my home, it's the same thing. You know, coffee is, is in the kitchen. It's there. Uh, we are a, uh, a very open home. We, we like to have uh, people in there. Uh, and as I share today, I get to share with you one of my passions. I've been involved in small groups almost as long as I have been a Christian. Uh, within, uh, actually, I started in a small group before I became a Christian, and part of what brought me into Christ. And I wish that everyone in our church was in one of our life groups, that we would begin doing life together, that we wouldn't do life apart, that we wouldn't just gather on Sunday morning, but that we would get together outside of church as well. Life groups have shaped who I am. They have helped me to grow because I learned from others and it's helped me become the Christian that I am today. Without small groups, without life groups, I don't know that I would be where I am at today. So uh, my normal life group meets on Thursday nights at 6.45. It runs till 8.30 and we have a dead stop at 8.30 because I have to get up at 4 a.m. to go to work. So I work for a Fortune 500 company I am the safety guy with over 200 stitches and 10 broken bones um, at, because I have not always been safe uh, and I've been a risk taker. But uh, So if you come to my house at 645, here's what you're going to find. The door is open. You do not have to knock on my door. You can come right in if you're part of my life group. Uh, you are safe to come in. Now, if you're not comfortable doing that, if you knock on the door, ring the doorbell, we will open the door. We will come to the door and greet you. But uh, you're, you're, you're going to come into my house my home will generally be comfortable, but not necessarily perfectly tidy. Um, so you're going to find that my house, uh, it's cleaner now that all my kids have grown and gone than it normally would be. But my wife and I are both extremely busy. We're not going to try to make the house perfect. So this is our living room here. This is what you'll see in our living room. Uh, we will offer you something to drink, coffee, tea, either hot or iced. Uh, we've got water. Um, but as you come and get to know us, what you're going to find is it's going to be kind of help yourself. If it's in the refrigerator, it's yours. If it's on the counter, it's yours. Help yourself. Come into my home. Become a part of that. 
And as part of our life group, the first thing that we do is we share life. So you come in, we sit down, and we talk about our week. So how did your week go? You know, um, I shared last week, with, or Thursday night was, was when my back went out Thursday afternoon. I shared with the group. When they come back next week, they're probably going to ask me how my back is doing. We want to find out how you're really doing, how life is going for you. We want to know what's important, what's happening with your family. We, um, we have and we keep a, a prayer journal. So I keep a prayer journal, and when we uh, ask for prayer requests at the end of the, sh the night, we write them down. Part of during the, the sharing life is we go through and we ask, well, what, what's been happening with this thing we've been praying for? So we will ask you about your, what's been happening. So for me on here, some things that we've been praying for me is time. Uh, I work, um, it's been about 50 hours a week. On top of that, it's an uh, hour and a half every day to drive. Um, every other, or about once, one Friday a month, I work from 5 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. Um, so for me, time is my greatest resource. And, and I'm always wishing for more time so that I can uh, do other things. On top of that, well, I do some stuff for the church here. I'm a pastor, but I don't get paid here. Um, but I, do, uh, I run my small groups. I'm leading the worship team, uh, trying to do things for the church. The other thing we've been praying for is my health. I've been in pain for about five years. Um, some things come and go. Right now, the pain that I have is, is in my back, uh, pain that just does not go away, and, and we keep praying for that. And uh, God is helping me to, to accept his grace is enough. And so as we go through this, that's my week. Everybody else will share about their week as well. We'll go back over these prayer requests. And after that, after we get through the sharing life, before we begin the study, there's generally a prayer. We pray and ask God to open our eyes to the teaching that we're going to go through today. And today's teaching is going to be a video by Matt Chandler. It's on Psalm 119. And so I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we're going to see this video by Matt Chandler. Now, as uh, the video is playing, what I'm going to ask you to do is the same thing that I would ask my group to do. Write down some notes. What stands out to you and what he's sharing? Is there something that challenges you? Is there something that really speaks to your heart? I want you to write that down. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have the opportunity to come together. And I pray, that, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and give us something that we can hold on to that would change our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Here we substituted the shorter Psalm 119 promotional video while the actual video being referred to during Dan's message is Session 4 from the Matt Chandler Psalm 119 series on Right Now Media. One of the things that really draws our heart towards King David is he's really relatable. There's these really high highs and then these really low lows. We go through these seasons in which it feels like the Lord is completely Lord of our lives as much as we know how, and then we enter into these dry seasons where we can kind of agree with David when he says things like, how long, O Lord, will you forsake me? Or where are you? Or I'm thirsty for you, I'm hungry for you. You start to get a sense from David that he's confused at what's happening. And you can feel in him what so many of us have felt when we've experienced these trials. Wait, where is God in the middle of this? 
King David is saying, and I can affirm from my own suffering. When I was laid sick with chemo, laying on the bathroom floor, one of the first places that we find a warm blanket for a weary soul is in the promises of God. You see this desire to be used by God coming out of the soul of King David. He doesn't want to just settle for darkness reigning and ruling across the world. And what should be driving us forward on mission as believers in Christ is not just hatred towards the world, but really love to see the world come under the Lordship of Christ and begin to flourish. Christian, you should never be bored. Your workplace, your neighborhood, wherever we are, we've been uniquely wired and uniquely placed for the purpose of mission. The story of the Bible is the story of God working in the mess. God is ever present and God carries his people through. As we walk through Psalm 119, we're seeing a shadow of what is to come in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I want us to open up our Bibles to Psalm 119, verses 49 through 64. This is the text that he was teaching from, and I want us to just read that together. It will be on the screen if you did not bring a Bible with you today. And this is the longest psalm in, uh, in all the psalms, so this one goes on forever and ever. So beginning in verse 49, it says, Remember your word to your servants. You have given me hope through it. This is my comfort in my affliction. Your promise has given me life. The arrogant constantly ridicule me, but I do not turn away from your instruction. Lord, I remember your judgments from long ago, and I find comfort. Rage seizes me because of the wicked who reject your instruction. Your statutes are the theme of my song during my earthly life. Lord, I remember your name in the night, and I obey your instruction. This is my practice. I obey your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. I hurried, not hesitating to keep your commands. Though the ropes of the wicked were wrapped around me, I did not forget your instruction. I rise at midnight to thank you for your righteous judgments. I am a friend to all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts. The Lord, Lord, the earth is filled with your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. So Matt Chandler, uh, when he starts this video, he talks about the context of this video. David is suffering. He's suffering oppression. He's suffering uh, those who are trying to challenge his leadership. They want to take him out, and, and yet he leans into God. And so as we sat in my small group, I shared some of the things, and these are some of the things that I got out of this video. And he begins by talking about the three sources of suffering. And, and those three sources are, we live in a fallen world. Because the world has fallen, uh, we have things like cancer. Uh, you know, cancer is not something that somebody, because they got it, is necessarily their fault. We, we live in a world where other people sin and can injure us, Okay. If somebody breaks into my home and steals my stuff, it's not because I sinned. They made a choice to sin, and then it injures me. And then sometimes my sin causes me consequences. My rebellion against God causes me to suffer. Well, when I heard those things, you know what was most encouraging to me? Two-thirds of my suffering isn't my fault, okay? 
Now, my back pain is my fault. I, I took a lot of risks, uh, and I broke it skiing, and I, uh, I was not a careful skier. I enjoyed uh, skiing fast in the hardest hills and uh, spending as much time in the air as I could uh, as I was skiing. Uh, I found that encouraging. And, and part of what God does is he helps us through the suffering that's not our fault. But he also helps us through the suffering that is our fault. He is a God who is forgiving. You heard Matt talk about how he considered his cancer a mercy. Now, who could think of that as a mercy? But he thought of that because it gave him the ability to help others through pain and suffering. He also talked about God being enough for me. So is God enough for us? And that, that's a challenging idea for me. Is God enough for me? It's, there's a lot of neat things our world has to offer. I mean, there's more guitars I could buy, I, I, and there's at least two or three that I would love to have. But is God enough for me? Um, you, fishermen and guitar players and golfers, um, there's never enough for any of those. I find that, that you, those are the three people who will spend money on anything. If you're a fisherman, there's always a new lure, a new rod. Uh, golfers, there's always a new club. And they get you hooked that way. I think it's that way for quilters, too. Um, there's not enough fabric in the world for people who quilt. Uh, but So the Lord is my portion. Jesus is enough for me. So as I've struggled with my pain over the last five years, one of the things that I am learning is that His grace is sufficient. That I can live and rejoice and, and experience joy. Satan cannot steal my joy through pain. And I've actually told him that. And uh, uh, so as part of what I pray, God likes us. He is not a punitive God. He sometimes allows suffering to cut out those things which could ultimately kill us or destroy our lives. So you think about a surgeon coming in and cutting out infected tissue or cutting out a tumor. They're not trying to kill you. Yes, it's painful at the time, but it is there to bring you healing so that you can progress and go on. And, and Matt closes with this idea that I am a friend to all who fear you, that we don't have to suffer alone. God has given us each other, and that is why we have life groups, so that we can be together. It's an opportunity to, to be bound to one another, to join other believers for support. You know, in our world... We increasingly, increasingly, we find we have acquaintances and not friends. We know people, but we're not known by them. We, we're connected by social media, but we're not engaged in each other's lives. So we know about, but we don't know. And that is a recipe for defeat and despair. We need to be connected to one another. Pastor Rick Warren, I follow him and get his daily devotions Yesterday in his daily devotions, he put this uh, information up from a study that was conducted by the California Department of Mental Health. And they did a study and they discovered if you isolate yourself from others and don't develop close friendships, like in a small group, you are three times more likely to die an early death. You are four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. You are five times more likely to be clinically depressed. And you're ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. So if for no other reason than for your own personal health, you need to get in a life group. You need to get connected with the family of God. 
Now, uh, like I said, I've, life groups have been an important part of my life and helping me through my suffering. The morning of November 17th, 2014, so the, the anniversary is coming up very soon, um, my younger sister, uh, I've got two sisters, but this would be the, the one who was just below me, died of cancer. Now, I had, she died of, she had breast cancer that moved to her brain and, and it, it took her life. And she considered it a mercy as, just like Matt because it drew her closer to God. And she knew Jesus Christ. And, and the way that she died was really a blessing for our family because we were all there because I'd flown my parents and my other sister out so that we could be there, uh, thinking that we would come back a few months later. And she didn't want to die alone, and she died when we were all there. Well, John Lambrecht sitting over here, one of my best friends, he's the first person I contacted, part of my small group. And I called him because I knew that he would listen and he was there for me. Do you have somebody who's there for you? If the worst of the worst happened to you today, do you have somebody who's there for you? I do, because I have a small group. So there's people that we have, my wife and I have, that we can call, and it's because we've been connected, not just in the church, big body, but in the small body. When we are connected to other believers, this equation proves true. Now, I started out my uh, college career as a physics major, and mathematics is something that I really love. Uh, and that was because I didn't want to work with people. Just That's part of my testimony to how God changed me. But um, joy shared is multiplied. That's why we invite people to our weddings. That's why when new babies are born, everybody calls everybody and their sister to tell them about it. Because as they share the joy that they have, it grows, not just in the people that you're sharing with, but in yourself. So joy shared is multiplied, but pain shared is divided. When I share my pain, somebody else is helping me carry part of the pain. The pain isn't multiplied, it's divided. My pain lessens. Somebody else comes along and helps carry that for me. When we share our joy, it multiplies. It increases in us and our friends. When we share our pain, it is divided. Our friends take our pain from us. Being in life groups, we can find support for all three types of suffering. So the suffering that's not our fault, the, the two kinds, so because of the world, the suffering from other sins, we can find support there. We can share with others. They can help us work through that pain, to learn to forgive those who have hurt us. And for those that's caused by, that suffering that's caused by ourselves, our own sin, they can help us through that too. They can be that accountability person to help us walk where we're supposed to walk, they can stand and support us and, and come alongside of us when we need somebody to, to help us get back on the path. But we can't do that if we don't have those people around us. Now, as I talk about life groups, life groups should not be a substitute for church. So the large gathering. And I want you to know that the, the word in the Greek, ekklesia, is not church. It's assembly. Church is a word we put in there as a substitute. It has no religious connotation at all. The, the word ecclesia stands for a group, any assembly. It could be any assembly, but we have chosen to use that. So when we look at, at gathering together, God has called us to gather together in a large group just as he's called us in a small group. And at the same time, church should not be a substitute for the small group. We need to have that more intimate relationship that you can't find in the large group. 
In fact, you will find that when you meet in the small group, in the life group, that you will grow in relationship and trust levels will grow that the deepest pains and hurts, the struggles that you're having can be shared and it's a place where you can find that help. And it's not a place where we come to fix people. It's a place where we come and we share and we let God do the fixing. Now, Jesus modeled this concept. I want you to think about this. Jesus taught very large groups. I mean, sometimes he had to be pushed out in a boat. Sometimes he sat on a mountainside. But sometimes he had the 12, and he taught the 12. That was a small group. And he went even further than that. He had a mentoring group as well. He had James, John, and Peter, the closest three. And these three were the ones that he took to Gethsemane, and he asked them to pray with him as he was getting ready to die. These are the three who were on the mount with him when he was transfigured. That is a model that we have for ourselves. When we look at the early church, we also see a similar model. In Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, it says this, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and then met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They, met, they all met together to hear leaders' teaching. So Pastor Chris, when he teaches, it's important for us to hear from Pastor Chris. Um, right now, media has a whole bunch of teachers like Matt Chandler. It's important for us to hear from them, but we need to come together in big groups to encourage one another so that we can go out into the world and learn from others. But we also need to get together in small groups, the life groups, because I believe that's where real ministry happens. You know, here we learn and we gather, we're encouraged. But the rubber meets the road in the life group. That's where we really get to, to inter, interfere, if you want, with each other's lives, to be integrated in, to, be, to become intimate with one another. And, and when we do that, we begin to fulfill the Great Commission too. We find that in the early church, what did it say? People were being added to their numbers every day because of what they were seeing happening in their lives. The large group and the small group was causing other people to come in. And that's really what Matthew 28, 18 through 20 tells us. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. So when I talk about life groups, I want you to know uh, there's three things that you'll find that I want as, as I lead these groups and as I have groups led uh, under my leadership is I want these three things to happen. I want people to share life. I want us to ask how people's weeks were. We want to really find out how, things are, are, are how people are doing. We want to find out what's new. We want to share God's word. Uh, today we use a, a video, but sometimes it's just taking the word of God, opening it up and studying it together learning from one another what God is speaking to you through that. And, and each one also has a time of prayer. We share the needs within the group, and we pray for those when the study is, is finished. Now, I asked my, uh, some of the people in my group to, to uh, volunteer voluntarily. They were not forced to do this. Um, I, I didn't apply any pressure at all to write some things about why they um, 
like being a part of life groups. And here's, here's one. It says, being a part of a home group has definitely caused spiritual growth in my life. One example is being able to spend time reading scripture and having a question and answer time or learning from others by sharing knowledge and life experience. Like a charging port, I leave with my spirit at 100%. Also, being part of a small group gives me opportunities to develop friendships, friendships with people you can laugh with, feel understood by, or just simply having them say, I've got your back, praying for you. From my experience, experience, having other Christians in my life is not just a good idea, it's a necessity. No one should do life alone. Another writes, being in a home Bible study is a great way to experience how God works through prayers of more than one believer, proving his promise in Matthew 18, 19. It's also really neat to see how the Lord teaches his children through their brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all at different levels in our walk in him, and we all have things to share of what he has done for us, each of us, and taught each of us. In the Bible, the Lord instructs his children to have fellowship with each other because he knows the many benefits that can bring. So my question for you, are you interested in connecting in a life group? Well, we have several life groups that meet, and some of them are more formal than others. My wife and I facilitate one Thursday nights from 6.45 to 8.30. Children are welcome at our home for these life groups. So if you want to bring children, they are welcome. Pastor Chris uh, leads a men's group that meets every other Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Our worship team uh, functions as a uh, life group. We meet on Friday nights at 7.30. Anyone is welcome to attend, even if they have no desire to lead up here at worship. Um, so uh, if you want to do that, uh, we don't have a substantial Bible study, but I will always share a word from the Word. So it'll be something that I found in Scripture in my devotions this week. I will share, uh, and, I, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Then we worship, and we, but we do pray for the needs of one another, and we do share life. We actually uh, laugh a lot more than we uh, anything else there. If none of those work... Um, for you. I know Carolina, Carolina is planning on starting one in January for women that will meet on Saturday's morning. So Carolina, you want to just raise your hand. So if you're interested in being a part of a women's group, she's going to start one then. If, if none of those work for you and, and you want to host one or facilitate one, if you can get the people who will attend, I will do everything I can to find you a facilitator to help you find material. Um, uh, if I can help facilitate, I will do that. My goal is that we would not be a church that has uh, small groups, that we would be a church of small groups. That someday a majority of the people who attend River Rock Church would be involved in the small groups that are, are here because we offer enough and we have enough that our people can uh, participate in them. Now each uh, small group, life group that I lead, it will end like this. And uh, we've had the uh, sharing of life. We've had the sharing of the word. And then the last thing we do is pray. And now when we pray in my groups, um, I offer everybody the opportunity to pray for the needs. And because I have a, uh, a, a, disability, a hearing disability, it, it closes this way. When the deaf guy doesn't hear anything, I will close. Okay, so uh, I'm not hearing anything, so I'm just going to go ahead and close today. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can uh, come together Lord, I thank you for the teaching of Matt. And Lord, I thank you that you are not a punitive God. Lord, that you are our portion and that you've given us each other as a gift. Lord, and I pray that we would uh, take hold of that gift and, and become part of life groups here at River Rock. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would raise up other people to lead groups, that they would open up their homes. 
But Lord, I pray that others would attend the groups that are already meeting. And Jesus, as we leave here today, I pray that you would help us to grab onto you, Lord, as, as our only source of joy and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church, 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.